Yes, sir. Yo, what's poppin' poppy? Olivier Tino, New York native, father to two beautiful children, Olivia nine and Emil six years old. Dope. So, um, so can you speak a little bit about your your, your cultural heritage um, and how you try to preserve that and also instill that in your children? So, I have an older brother. He and I are first generation um, Haitian Americans, and our cultural identity is quite honestly everything to us. Um, you know, from a very young age, you know, pride in who we are and where we come from was instilled in us um, from our parents first and foremost, but we also had a community wrapped around us. Um, you know, my grandmother watched us, my father's mother watched us since we were really, really young. Um, and the first language that I spoke was French, followed closely by Creole and English kind of simultaneously. Um, and so it's had a lot to do with kind of like, well, being Haitian American, one, and, you know, being first generation, two, shaped my, you know, my, my upbringing in, in, in significant ways. I mean, um, as most immigrant, you know, cultures will tell you education is of the utmost importance. That was no different for us. Um, although later on in life, I would go, you know, my brother and I would, would do our own thing and, and kind of take our own paths. However, um, the importance of education was never lost on us. The importance of like knowledge and the idea that what you quote unquote furnish your mind with, um, it will, number one, will take you, you know, far in this world. And number two is something that cannot in any way, shape or form be taken away from you. So, um, in addition to kind of just the strictness of the upbringing, um, the emphasis on education, the emphasis on knowledge, um, the language, which in a large part kind of binds you or binds me specifically to, you know, my cultural heritage, um, in raising my children, that was something that, you know, I felt should be no different. Um, so right out the gate, you know, I've been teaching my children French um, from day one. My wife is Latina, so we've, you know, we've, as much as we can, although we're, we're more so surrounded by, you know, members of my family, um, so there's more opportunity for my children to speak French. We also do um, make an effort to impart the Spanish upon them. Um, and then the Creole is something that, you know, kind of is just part and parcel in a strange way of being Haitian. Um, you kind of gain an understanding of it sort of holistically and organically, um, which is really the way that it was for me. Um, and so my children have an understanding of it too. As it stands right now, my children could really, you could really speak to my kids in French, English, um, some Spanish and Creole, and they could pretty much respond to you um, in kind, if not, you know, in the same language, um, they'll definitely give you the right answer or definitely understand where you're coming from. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's, it's something that always imbued within me a sense of pride, um, and a sense of almost like a one-upmanship, you know, um, obviously I got lots of friends Growing up in New York City, you're going to have friends from different cultures and different backgrounds. Um, but I always felt, you know, a little bit 
like I had sort of an advantage because I could speak more than just the the one or the two, you know. Um, so yeah, um, <clears throat> that's real dope. That's exactly what I was thinking when yeah. I thought about that for you. Yeah. Um, so culture is important. Um, you're also a hip hop head, you know what I mean, and, and that's one of the cultures that you represent and, and that you're Indeed. you're in yeah. um, for years. Right. Um, and I know for myself, the older kids and even my youngest son has been a challenge to try to find the right balance of music and culture to expose them to because the culture is in such a crazy place right now. You know right. what I mean? Right. Right. So could you speak a little bit about um, hip hop culture, being a hip hop parent, and how you try to control the music and the culture um, while still exposing your children to it? So you bring up the interesting point. You know, I, 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 you know, we are the hip hop generation, um, golden era, you know, 88 to 92 for sure. Um, hip hop's been there, you know, from pretty much day one in my life and, and similarly for my children. Keep it a hundred, uh, when my daughter was just an infant, um, I would play the Illmatic album to put her to sleep. I'm talking like late night, you know what I mean? Like you know, doing those late night feedings or, or those diaper changes or whatever and, and, and playing that now. So um, it's interesting. Being a hip hop parent is definitely something that I'm cognizant of. Um, I convey my, I guess, association with hip hop to my children somewhat through Ebonics um, and speaking some slang. It's interesting that we're actually talking about this right now. Just this past weekend, I, I, I encountered a situation with my daughter where she had uh, a friend who was behaving less than friendly to her. Um, and I was, uh, you know, I, in explaining to my daughter what was wrong with what her friend was doing or, had, or the way her friend had made her feel, I told my daughter that her friend was being whack, right? And I asked her if she knew what that meant. She didn't, and so I, you know, I was going around kind of trying to explain to her what whack meant, and then, you know, just the 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 feeling, you know, that a person who who you care for, who would call themselves your friend, would make you maybe feel kind of, you know, shitty, for lack of a better term. Um, and then on the spot, like I, you know, I, I came up with the analogy. I said to my daughter, what would you think about broccoli ice cream? Her face went to shit, obviously. And I was like, right, that's whack, right? So finding the balance in the music is a, is a difficult play. I mean, as parents, you know, my wife and I have, uh, we've exposed our children to a lot of old music, really, really old music beyond just golden era, beyond, um, you know, pop music, which is the stuff that they hear on the radio and have easy access to, beyond kind of some of the newer um, trappy, I guess you could say, kind of, you know, new genres or, or subcultures or subdivisions of hip hop um, that they get from their friends. You know, being a camp, my kids dab, my kids do the whip, they do the nene, they do all of those things. Um, but they also, have a music appreciation that runs way deeper. Um, finding and exposing my children to some of the tracks, um, some of the original tracks that hip hop sampled from, um, 
is a really good way that we found to kind of give them more of just oh a universal music foundation as opposed to just a hip-hop foundation because we are again my especially in our generation not just positive hip-hop but products of all the things that came before it um it's predominant in sort of like my dress um and the and kind of like the want and desire to be fly that I think we all, you know, associated or, or definitely um, came up under being part of the hip-hop generation. So I got, you know, my kids feel like, you know, they got Jordans. They feel dope, you know what I'm saying? Not not that their self-esteem or self-worth is in any way associated with those things, but those things are part of our culture. And sneakers were part of our culture growing up, and having some of those things were part of our culture growing up. So they've definitely got it in those regards. Um, as far as the music, you know, circling back to the music, um, you know, just to continue to expose them to all of the different, you know, genres. I mean, we listen to pop. I listen to some EDM tracks. We do the Portishead, you know what I mean? We do soul music. We, you know, my kids can sing to you Gautier right now or Aretha Franklin songs and Dionne Warwick songs and, and all that. And... You know, for for me, it's just part of making them well-rounded individuals. Um, you know, they're good students. They go to school. They go to good schools. They get good grades, and they're involved in different activities, gymnastics, taekwondo, etc. Um, but I feel that the the lessons, I guess, or or the feelings that are conveyed from hip hop are a little bit more of that, like street knowledge, a little bit more of that kind of savvy I know how to move through the world and kind of deal with and or circumnavigate some of these pitfalls that might be out here for them real talk so with that said um it's a good point to to move to um so what's like the golden rule right is, is there one or three things that every dad should know or should be doing um, to try to ensure that they're successfully raising children to be, you know, positive members of society. Um, What's the golden rule, you know? Well, the golden rule is the golden rule. And that's something that, that I strongly impart onto my children is to treat others how they would want to be treated. In addition to that, something that I tell my children almost on a daily basis, definitely on a weekly basis, if not reinforcing that message or driving it home on every single day is respect for others begins with respect for yourself i tell my children that constantly so you know especially especially raising young children of color um i got a real vivacious son six years old really energetic um and i you know at times i find myself fearful about what that could mean for him or or how his actions or or pot you know kind of like joyous boundless energy could be misconstrued out there um so i you know again i always tell them you know respect for others respect for yourself if somebody tells you you know if you're getting in somebody's face whether it be in, in a pleasant fashion or in an unpleasant fashion be careful you know back up you don't want to invade somebody's space you don't want to have anybody feeling um you know threatened by you not 
that they should by by children but it's part of the reality that we live with out here um in this day and age but so respect for 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 others is something that starts with respect for yourself is definitely the main one um treat others as they would want to be treated is all always you know part of the conversation um and manners man manners you know i was raised with manners i was raised with the emphasis on you know pleases and thank yous and and addressing people you know by their title or as sir or miss or whomever um so i honestly personally never miss an opportunity to check my kids if they're talking to their mom if their mom should happen to call them and they answer yes I always, if I'm within earshot, I follow that up with a yes who, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if I happen to call them, they say yes. I'll call them by their name again. They might say yes again. I'll call them by their name again. Until I get the yes papa or, you know, yes mom or whatever, they haven't phrased it properly. And so, and it's interesting, man. When you're growing up, if you got any kind of decent parenting going on in your life, um, you know, your, your parents have probably told you once or twice, you know, you don't understand me now or you don't appreciate it now, but later on you will. Um, I know I've definitely felt that, you know, feeling in spades um, in, in, in doing the same things that my parents did for me. And, and constantly reminding my children about those manners and constantly reminding them about the respectful ways to speak with people that definitely show them respect, but show that you carry yourself in a certain manner as well. So can you speak a little bit about your relationship with your own father um, and how that manifests and reflects itself in the way that you parent and father your own children and how he's been a role model for you? Coming up, my father, I don't want to say that my father wasn't present, because that's not accurate. Um, But what my father was, was an extremely hard worker. Um, And if that meant that he was working the graveyard shift for several years of my early early childhood, that's what that meant. Um, Never did we feel that he was absent um never did we feel that he wasn't part and parcel of the upbringing you know um i might be like a lot of folks in that when the father works that hard or when the father's you know and this is no slight to my mother but when you know he's he's putting in that work and isn't around you know in those kind of reprimanding times or whatever um you know my mother would kind of carry that carry the weight of that but when things like really really you know were out of control or really like above board you know there was always the fear inspector of my father you know looming um and it was almost like you didn't want to do something so bad that you know mom had to get dad involved um so those were the early, the early aspects of my, of my association, of my relationship, or my understanding of 
what role my father played in my upbringing um, is sort of that like you know bad cop kind of kind of deal you know mom is the good cop dad's the bad cop kind of deal so those were the early you know manifestations or at least um, what my child mind could understand or could could rationalize about that later on in life particularly in high school when I started to gain a better understanding of my father and some of the other things that kept him maybe not at home um, my father was a community activist in the Haitian community so that kind of played a large role in in my upbringing and kind of my sensibilities and um, again my pride for who I am and, and the country that we come from um, and again being Haitian and being first generation and being descendants of the first black you know free nation in the Western Hemisphere um, and understanding you know gaining an understanding of the journalistic component that that was part and parcel to that because my father uh, through his community activism um, was involved with a group of people who did a Haitian radio broadcast, a Haitian news radio broadcast um, every Sunday morning. So in addition to watching my father work the graveyard shift, I would also watch my father on Sunday mornings uh, get up out of bed at about 4 a.m. to take the train in the early days later on drive into the city all the way uptown um you know to harlem to to go do a radio show a radio program at 6 a.m um then sunday afternoons uh through his community work and through his involvement with certain uh community-based organizations um he would do he would have a call-in segment on a Haitian news radio program in Canada. So these two things were happening every single Sunday for the first almost 20 years of my life. Um, and led to, in one regard, my interest in journalism and, and initially in my um, desire to study journalism. Um, which never, obviously, from judging by where we're sitting right now, <laughs> didn't come to fruition. Um, but I gained an appreciation. I had an appreciation for what he was about and who he was. And, you know, taking a look back from, you know, let's say 20 and beyond um, to the man um, of my earlier childhood and reconciling the two, um, I gained definitely, I don't know if I've ever said this to him, but I definitely gained a different kind of understanding and a different um, appreciation for the whole ball of wax, so to speak. Um, you know, and, and kind of, again, like, if, we were gonna be revolutionary in our thought processes, then we had to have the discipline enough to carry ourselves in a certain way and to kind of bolster um, not only ourselves and each other, but my mom, if and when he wasn't around. So, it was definitely profound.
So it seems like there's a, um, a strong social awareness component to your family. Um, and so it's only befitting that I ask you the next question, which is, as a, a man of color in 2017 and as a father, mm -hmm. what is the message to the world as a father? What is your message to the planet as a father of two children that are going to inherit this planet? I'll tell you honestly, man. Um, I don't know how anybody else who's a father feels about this, but I feel like every child is mine. You know? Um, I feel that responsibility. I feel the, you know, I feel the... In my world, in my upbringing, it took a village, you know? So, that so what do you saying, say to your village right now? Yeah. About how they comparting themselves? Um, there are things that we can do better. Uh, you know, I don't knock anybody, and I definitely don't measure myself against anybody else, and I definitely don't consider myself any bar for, for which anyone else should be measured against. Um, you know, but I do... I do take solace in the fact that I come from a generation that it seems like we're bucking the trend as far as um, single parenthood, um, you know, and kind of some of the pratfalls that go along with that. I feel, uh, you know, I look around and, and, and a lot of my friends and, and their children come from two parent households. Um, and so that's heartwarming, you know. Not to say that any single parent can't do it. I know plenty of people who, plenty of single parents who who are getting the job done and commendably so and through and over um, amazing obstacles and amazing um, barriers. Um, so I don't knock anybody, but I do find that there's, you know, I, I do find a certain comfort in coming from a family upbringing, coming from, you know, that village mentality, um, I do take a certain measure of, again, comfort in knowing that my children and my friends and their children are all kind of like-minded. Um, and so I kind of, I'm, I'm actually honestly hopeful, you know, for the future generations, man. I feel like um, some of the errors and some of the, some of the, not errors, but really some of the tangents um, that, that, that I see, you know, going on, I feel like, you know, they, 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 they can only last but for so long. You know, I feel like uh, myself, my friends, and other like-minded individuals, single parents are not um, like-minded spirits and like-minded souls. I feel like we're kind of resetting the compass and the trajectory of of kind of what's going on over the last generation or so um and so i take heart so you're raising a daughter um there's a lot of things happening to women about women and around women in in today's times right so can you speak about how that affects you as a as a father of a, a future woman of this world and how you think we need to reshape um how we're raising our men in order to be, um, you know, better men for these women. And, and since you're a father of a son, I'm sure you can speak to both sides of that. Yeah, I, I absolutely can, man. Um, first, to, to, to the aspect of raising my daughter, 
Um, I find that the best way, my personal approach uh, in, in teaching lessons um, is to be as direct as possible. So when it comes to certain things, I definitely don't mince words. Um, you know, call it scientific. I just call it keeping it real. You know, we, we use the, fun, we, you know, we, we, my daughter knows what a penis is. You know what I mean? She's aware of herself. She knows what her vagina is. She knows what privates are. She knows, um, she's been spoken to. I want to say she's been shown or spoken, you know, we've definitely been, have spoken to her about what is or isn't inappropriate or she, you know, things that might or should or could make her feel uncomfortable. Um, and how to kind of deal with those things in a bit. Obviously, you don't want to, you know, just shatter their worlds, you know what I mean, and shatter innocence. But, you know, um, definitely make her aware of what is personal space um, and what is or isn't appropriate in, to a certain degree. Um, and then again, going back to just respect and and how that relates to you know, raising a son and, and how that relates to trying to raise a better man. Um, one of those things that was, that was part and parcel of my personal upbringing was this, you know, again, in Haiti, they say, uh, you know, on touche pas à une fille, même pas avec une woz, excuse me, which literally translated means you don't put your hands, you don't touch a female, not even with the flower a rose specifically um so that idea of keeping your hands to yourself um respecting yourself again those are all those universal messages that that you could draw from to to teach any lesson i find um and it's sad i mean what's, what's going on in the world today is sad um I'd be disingenuous if I, if I didn't say that as a man growing up in, in the society and as a man that grew up, you know, kind of what you might call some wilder days in the 80s and 90s if, if what's going on didn't, you know, make, make me personally pause and, and do some self-reflection, man. But, um, you know, whether there are, you know, whether there are or aren't instances from my personal past, um one way or another again all experience all things that you could draw from um and teach those lessons man in a meaningful way so um we're gonna wrap up in a minute i know it's a lot of questions to answer so i appreciate the time my g um how would you define fatherhood because there's a lot of guys out there that are dads that are donors that are quote-unquote fathers but what are some of the distinctive features that, that Olivier says, this is what really makes you a father? Um, being present, I think, is, 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 the, is the main one. Um, having a sympathetic ear is another. Patience is one that I, you know, that, that at times I might struggle with, but um, at least I'm aware of the need for it when raising children. Um, that's real. I mean, that's at the crux of it. I think it's the time. 
Yeah. It's the presence. Um, it's the wherewithal to know that there's somebody beyond you that you're now responsible Correct. for. Correct. Um, Indeed. That's, that's, a, that's actually a, a great one. Um, you know, it's a responsibility, man. You gotta, and you have to treat it as such, I feel like. Um, you know, we're shaping human beings, man. I don't, I don't know that there's a more worthwhile endeavor, mm. you know, um, than to be responsible for and to take, you know, and, and to hold yourself to account for what you're showing and what you're saying and what you're teaching and, and, and what you're imparting, man. I think, you know, that's huge. I think it's huge, bro. Um, man, I, you know, I feel like almost every day there's like a lesson that gets taught, you know? Um, and I think not bullshitting, you know? My daughter, uh, this is like a small thing, you know what I mean? But she had a homework assignment last night that she didn't complete, quite honestly. Um, it was a math assignment. And this math assignment was done in a notebook where they had reviewed the type of work that the homework was gonna be on in the class, obviously, that day. And this in her notebook, you know, and this is a huge one, um, caring enough to check the homework at night. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was, that was one that was super annoying to me as a kid, you know what I mean? Um, checking all the homework, you know, fixing all the mistakes or correcting all the mistakes or whatever. Um, you know, in today's society, you know, I go out to the parent-teacher meetings or whatever, the open school nights, and, and, you know, the teachers, at least for us, we've been fortunate enough to have teachers who have an expectation um, that the parents will, you know, check homework every single day. Um, in our household, we take the extra step of, like when I was growing up, having the child correct the homework, correct the mistakes, pointing out the mistakes, etc. Um, the idea that you don't hand in a homework assignment with, uh, you know, crossing out, you know, or whiting out all over the place. Um, sh you know, that, that as a component, correct, of respecting yourself enough to not turn in something in that condition, but also having enough respect for the teacher to not hand something in in that condition. But getting back to the homework assignment from last night, um, quite honestly, my daughter didn't complete it and didn't complete it the way that she was shown how to complete it. As a parent, that's upsetting to me because, you know, you say to yourself, yo, man, the examples were right here on the previous page. How come you didn't follow the examples to a T? On the flip side, having the presence of mind to not like spaz out, which is gonna turn the child off to doing the work, period. Um, but definitely calling out. Like this, you know, I called her out. I said, yo, you didn't finish that homework assignment. And she had the shit face and was upset about it and whatever else. Um, you know, but I'd be remiss if I didn't call her out on the fact that I know that she didn't do it completely, um, nor to the standard that she was shown. And in this particular case, <laughs> and this is where you gotta have that kind of like leeway and, 
and I wouldn't say lax attitude, but you gotta, you know, you gotta be not just a tyrant, but also an understanding parent at times. So in this case, you know, I, I put my signature on the homework and I didn't make her make the corrections. So today, hopefully, you know, Ms. Muniz, shout to you. Um, you guys reviewed that homework um, and, and got Olivia set on the right track. But if not, one way or another, I'm gonna figure it out. I just didn't do it last night. <laughs> so any like, um, any parting words? Like, is there some like, some shit you want to drill home to fathers that are watching the programming, that are listening to you, that you want to be like, yo, dog, be on point with this shit right here, or make sure you're looking out for this. Again, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the person to tell anybody how to raise um, their child or to judge how anybody does their thing. Um, I will say, again, just try to be present, try to be an ear, sympathetic or not. Um, Provide a sanctuary. Let them know, you know, let your children know where is a safe place or, or, um, I know coming from immigrant parents, my parents like to say that, uh, they were always, you know, there, their door was always open, quote unquote, but truth, truthfully told, um, coming up in New York City, again, first generation Americans, um, immigrant parents, strict upbringing. There were just some things that, you know, right or wrong, we couldn't talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I think that kind of circles back to, you know, not just being a hip hop parent, but just being a parent that grew up here, like a Native American, you know, a, an American um, raising children here, an American of, of, you know, again, Haitian descent but descendant of immigrants and that come from a strong culture like that. Um, you know, just just be there, man. Just be there. Um, listen to your kids. Um, be an advocate for your children. Um, that's a big one for me because, you know, sometimes I didn't feel like my parents were always those advocates for us. I feel like, you know, and, and not to discredit them in any way. Um, but, you know, sometimes it felt as a kid like they would just listen to the authority figure and not really give what we, you know, give credence to what my, you know, I may have had to say or my brother may have had to say um, about any given situation. So definitely be an advocate, man. Be present. Um, hug and kiss your kids a lot, almost to a fault. Um, I do it constantly. Um try to find balance, balance in reprimand, balance in um, funness, um, you know, balance in, you know, the lessons that you teach, the reasons for the lessons, um, be a thought provoker, ask questions, uh, challenge your kids, make them do things they don't want to sometimes, honestly. Um, Cause you never know, you never know. It's like, you want you, you want to almost annoy them into their success, man. They, you know, uh, like honestly, um, you want, <laughs> I kind of feel most proud when my children do something begrudgingly. Cause I feel like that's where 
they don't understand it now, but later on in life, they'll realize um, that it was my care. That That's what's popping, Poppy. Yes, sir. That's what's popping, Poppy.